share with you really quickly text of scripture for today. Matthew chapter 12. I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 28 at verse 1. And it reads, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. I want to talk to you really quickly from this uh, thought on this Resurrection Sunday. A trustworthy Jesus. A trustworthy Jesus. Uh, this particular text is crucial to our faith. And I love the fact that when God gives us his word and gives us the picture that we need, he gives it to us completely. In the text, we see that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary runs to the tomb. Big commotion happens. At the end result, we see that the angel comes, moves away the stone. But I like what the angel says. He says, I know that you're coming to look for the Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, but he is risen like he said. This is so crucial, guys, to our faith because he could have said he is risen. It works, but the angel had to give it all to us because as he said reminds us that this is not the first time he told you this was going to happen. And he has followed through on his promise. So this, this text is crucial to our faith. But I'd like to also say that I really, when I was told that Easter fell on April Fool's Day, I got to tell you, I got so tickled. I got so tickled because uh, how, how, how Jesus is it to be countercultural? He is so that. Let me tell you something. As Christians, we cannot overlook 
the way things are happening this year. Think about this. Uh, the Lenten season started on Valentine's Day. See, we, we, we're missing it. And as, as Christians, we can't get so caught up in worldly flow that we miss what God is doing. This is the year that God is sifting. And he wants to know, am I more important to you or is your worldly flow more important to you? See, this is the year where we will see the move of God in a countercultural way. I, I don't care who's in the White House. God wants to know, will you pray to me about what I control? Or will you get caught up in the day-to-day -day CNN, Fox, and whomever junk that they bring to the surface? Where will you lie? It's a countercultural kind of year in the life of the believer. And that's what we find here today that Easter, the sure thing, falls on April Fool's Day. Now, April Fool's Day goes back to the 1500s. Some say it predates that. But what happens is when they changed from the Georgian calendar to the Julian calendar, some people didn't make the change. And so they used to celebrate the uh the new year on the first of april but because there was a change from the georgian calendar to the julian calendar some people missed it and they celebrated something that didn't happen and everybody else teased them and called them april fools so then it blew up and so now even today people are still doing april fools from radio pranks to now they're all over social media it's just kind of cool to get people all riled up about, you know, hey, this happened today, and then you could come back and be like, April Fool. What it really does is give people a reason to lie when they normally lie anyway, but now we can just say it's April Fool. You ain't nothing but a liar, but you just got a day where everybody's okay with you lying. <laughs> so anyway, I just think it's so hilarious that today is a day that we can say psych in the world, for, for those of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. When I was a kid, psych was the thing. Hey man, your shoe untied. We would say psych. Y'all know what that means? Am I telling my age? I don't care. So today's the day that the world can say April Fool's or we can say psych. Because psych came from I psyched you out. That's, that's where it came from, okay? However, what Jesus is saying is in a moment where you can trick people by what you say, this is a day that what I said, I did. Okay? Because the angel says that he is not here, for he is risen like he said. Now, this is crucial because what we find through the text of Scripture, through history, that Jesus predicted his own death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what made this so powerful. The resurrection of Jesus was so powerful because he said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it in the text of Scripture. Let's look at it. Uh, let's look at, uh, let's go to uh, Matthew 12, verse 38. 12, 38. Let me show you this. I'm almost done, believe it or not. I know y'all don't think I can do it. 
But it is April Fool's Day. So anyway. Here we go. So watch. Later, a few religion scholars and Pharisees got on him, Jesus. And they said to him, teacher, we want to see your credentials. Give us some hard evidence that God is in this. How about a miracle? Jesus said, you're looking for proof. But you're looking for the wrong kind. He says, all you want is something, listen, to titillate your curiosity. He says, to satisfy your lust for, mir- for, for miracles. Ooh, that's powerful. Could we really lust after miracles? Could we have a lust to see signs, but then reject the God of the miracle? Think about this. We live in a day where all people want to do is watch videos on social media because we're looking for a sign. Okay, here we go. Uh, the only proof you're going to get is what looks like the absence of proof. Remember now, Jesus is countercultural. The people followed him because they wanted a sign. But I don't have time to, to really unpack this, but think about this. He is talking now to church leaders who don't believe he is who he says he is. They look for a sign, and he says to them, the only sign that I'm going to give you is one that you think is really not there. But it's funny that he would say that because outside of the church walls, people followed him all day, and he did stuff like heal the sick. Because they were still a part of the same perverse generation that looked for a sign, but their hearts were not hardened to him. It was the signs that drew them to him, where these people wanted signs just so they could say, you're not really who you say you are. So the only proof you're going to get is what looks like the absence of proof. He says, I'm going to give you Jonah evidence. Look at this. I love it. He says, like Jonah, three days and nights in the fish's belly, The Son of Man will go down three days and three nights in a deep grave. On Judgment Day, the Ninevites will stand up and give evidence that will condemn this generation because when Jonah, listen, preached to them, they changed their lives. A far greater preacher than Jonah is here. And you squibble about proofs? So now Jesus is, is, he is predicting the fact that he is getting ready to die. He's going to be buried for three days. And then he's going to get up again. I love it. Jesus, Jesus was on the down low, very confident in who he is. He says the Ninevites, who were straight hellions, they were so hellion, they was they, they had so much hell in them that Jonah didn't even want to go deal with it because when he went to deal with it, he sensed in his heart that they would change. The problem with the generation that Jesus is dealing with is I'm here preaching to you, but you won't change. That's what he's saying. But you still want proofs that I can do this, this, and this. I'm preaching to you far better than Jonah ever could. <laughs> but you don't hear me. So he predicts it's going down. It's going to happen. Let's look at John chapter 10. Chapter 10 and 17, I love this. He says, 
This is why my father loves me. Because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. Y'all, this is so crucial. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again, he says. He goes on to say, I received this authority personally from my father. Now, this is big. The reason why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so huge is because Jesus says it right here. Number one, I laid my life down because I wanted to. He says, to the same degree, I'm going to pick it up again because I wanted to. Listen, when Jesus went into the temple and they were selling stuff in the temple, he started turning over tables. And he said to them, you will not do this in my house. My father's house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves or a den of iniquity. They got mad at Jesus and they said, listen, you're doing all of this. What's, in what authority do you do it? Jesus says it like this. He says, listen, bottom line. If you tear this temple down, I'll raise it up again in three days. They looked at him like, dude, it took 46 years to build this. So you're telling me that you're going to build it in three days? They missed it. He was talking about his body because his body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because they were so big and into their big buildings that they missed that the real presence of God was standing right in front of them. So he says to them again, listen, I'm going to break this down, but in three days, I'm going to build it back up again. So because Jesus predicted the death, burial, and resurrection of himself, when he got out of the tomb, it was crucial because not only did he get up, he told you he was going to get up. In other words, he did what he said. Here is my question. If he could say, I'm going to die because I want to. I'm going to let them <coughs> kill me because I want to. But when I'm done with this death thing, I'm going to get up out the ground because I want to and because I can who wouldn't trust a God who could tell you what was going to happen and then make it happen? Why wouldn't you trust him? Think about this. When they arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, do you know how much control, self-control it took for him to allow them to arrest him? Do you know how much control it took? I could not. That's why I'm not Jesus. I could not have done this. I would have waited till y'all had me in handcuffs, and then I would have just went straight Wakanda forever on everybody. Just, I just would have blacked out. Just say, you thought you had me, didn't you? I would have just blacked out, headbutted some people, zapped everybody. I would have just wiped everybody out, still in handcuffs. And then when it was all over, I would have did this. So the handcuffs would have fallen off. You know, I would have delivered myself in a dramatic way. Because I could. See that? Amazing control that Jesus says. There is a process that's going to save the lives of millions. I'll submit to the process. Watch this. Because I'm powerful enough to submit. 
That's a whole nother sermon. That's a whole nother sermon. Because you got to have power to submit. You don't just, listen, people who say that, that, that I, am, I am submitted. No, you happy. You'll do what people tell you to do as long as it makes you happy. But when we get to the place of submission, submission really kicks in when it's not something you want to do and you do it because you are submitted. I'm under. That, that ain't one I came to preach about, but just chew on that this week. Okay. So, Jesus made it clear that he was in control. No man takes my life. I lay it down. So then, the angel made it clear to me, or made it clear to us, that when he got up from the grave, I like what the angel said. He said, Jesus, who was crucified. See, you also got to, and when you read the text of scripture, you don't just read what it says, but sometimes you got to read what it doesn't say. Because he made it clear, Jesus, who was crucified. Okay? Uh, Aramaic, Yeshua. He says, Yeshua, who was crucified, got up. Why do you make that distinction, angel? Because there's a bunch of people laying out here in this graveyard named Yeshua. But only one of them was crucified. <laughs> and then only one of them told you he was going to get up. So can you imagine the angel? That's why the Lord don't want me to be supernatural like that. He gonna, when I'm supernatural, I mean, when I get to that place, I'm just going to go to heaven and he's not going to let me back on the earth. Because if I was the angel... I would be like, yo, y'all thought he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> but he is risen like he said because he's Jesus. See, y'all don't know. I would have went on and on and on. God would have been like, dude, would you hush? We got, we got work to do. You over there. I just want to let him know, Jesus, that he, you know, God, he told him that that's what he was going to do. And so the angel says, I'm going to slide it in. He, the one you were looking for, Jesus, who was crucified. Because we got to make that distinction. Because the word tells us that he had to be a whole unblemished lamb and he had to be killed. So this is a guy, Jesus. He says, I lay my life down, but I go through the process of killing. I let y'all kill me. Can I tell you, one of the most insightful people in the whole story of the passion was one of the thieves, actually both of the thieves. Both of the thieves had more insight than some of us today and we call ourselves Christians. Because one thief understood it, one thief understood it and said, dude, if you really who they say you are, what I know about what I read about the guy that they called the Messiah, you could get yourself down from here if that was you. The other one says, hey, remember me in paradise. So both of them had an understanding One had an understanding that you had the power. <laughs> the other had the understanding that you had the control. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. And having power is never having to say you have it. Powerful people are in control. <laughs> okay, that ain't one I came to preach about either. So anyway, Jesus makes it clear to us that he can uh, be trusted. So here's what I want to say to you today. Why wouldn't you trust Jesus. Here's what happened based on the text of scripture. When we trust God, here's what happens. I want to give you a couple of scriptures here. I want you to see them. I want you to uh, maybe type them out so that way you can read them. Psalm 16 20 says this. It pays to take life seriously. 
things work out when you trust God. Okay? Number one, you got to understand this. When you trust God, you have security. Security. Listen, one of the most powerful things that I saw on this stage, there's a whole lot of stuff that just brought tears to my eyes and made me flat out cry. But when he took that pink slip and put it in a tithe basket, (laughs) that was major to me because I'm used to being a giver. Now I don't have anything to give, but I'm willing to even give you this because I trust you. Solomon writes us and says, well, we trust God. Everything is going to be all right. You can have security when you trust God, but it doesn't look like it. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about what you see. We're talking about what you know. I don't know it's going to be all right. Do you know God? Yes. Do you, has he ever dropped the ball in your life? Well, no. So then we got to go with the credit report that you have of him. Number one, you got security. Here's number two. Number two, I love this one. Isaiah 26, three. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is on you, stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts you. Number two, when you trust Jesus wholly, when you give it all the way to him, you get peace. Peace. Wait, let me be clear. You may not always get happiness but you get peace. You may not always get ease, but you get peace. And peace says, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I am not upset about this anymore. What I know is it takes some intentionality to trust God. Intentionality to trust God. So you get security, you get peace. Here's the last one. I like this one too. Jeremiah 17 at verse 5 we'll start. It reads, cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone and sets God aside as dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed on the prairie, out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless. (laughs) He lives rootless and aimless. It says, uh, an aimless, a land where nothing grows. He's aimless in a land where nothing grows. But blessed is a man who trusts me, God, the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees planted in Eden. Can I stop? Can I stop? Y'all know, I, I talk about this song, and I've been talking about it for years. Um, uh, uh, Donald Lawrence song that says, let's get back to Eden, live on top of the world. You know, I bash that song. I, I do. I, I bash it. Because we can't get back to Eden, living on top of the world. Here's what the text says now, unless we trust God. Trusting God gets us back to an original state that God intended for us to live in. Now we're finding something different because what we find is, because I always say I'm mad at Adam and Eve because they messed up. I could be living in the garden eating grapes naked. 
and fine. I believe when they lived in the garden, I believe that no food had calories. I think calories came from sin. That's just what I believe as a result of sin. I believe I could have eaten all the grapes I wanted to in there and not have type 2 diabetes. Nobody be telling me, well, Mr. Fryer, you shouldn't be eating that. No, I am in the garden, buck naked, eating grapes, and then nothing have fat on it. That's just what I believe. <laughs> anyway. So if I'm going back to eating this because I want to go to Eden to eat zero calories, which makes me think that Coke Zero Sugar could be sent from God. That's a, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother thing right there. Okay, where am I? Uh, but blessed is the man who trusts me, God, the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees replanted in Eden. Watch this, putting down roots near the river. Never a worry through the hottest summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. When you trust Jesus, you got to understand that you are blessed in every season. Watch. When you say, I'm in a hard season of my life, you still get blessed because you trust him. Well, Pastor, why are you talking about this today on Resurrection Sunday? Because this is the day that for those of you who already believe, this is the day where you reaffirm that belief. This is the day where we tighten up. One thing my dad used to do uh, once a year, we'll walk through the house with screwdrivers to tighten up everything that was loose. Simply because by sense of use, things get loose. You got any knobs in your, in your, in your kitchen? That they didn't start loose, but simply because you use them, they get loose. And that you have to tighten them. So is your faith. Today is a day that you got to reaffirm some stuff. But then there's, there's the next group who've yet to receive Jesus. And maybe the day could be the day. That you receive him. You say, listen, I know I'm going to go to church with my mom today. I'm going to go to church with my friends today. It's Easter. We're going to go to church. And, but maybe today you can receive him simply because we're finding out that he is trustworthy. Because listen to this. If you believe that he got up like he said, you have to believe that he's coming back like he said. And Jesus is coming back. Here is the question. Will you be ready? Will you allow every Easter and every Christmas to keep coming by and you hear all the great stories and you still aren't prepared for him to come back? He is coming back. And today is the day that we can kind of take him at his word. I know you say, well, well, Pastor, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know, Pastor. I, I've been living my life, and I want to live my life. I want to do what I want to do, and I just don't know that I'm ready for Jesus, you know, to come into my life and change some stuff. Well, let me ask you this. Will you ever be ready? Will you ever be ready? Can I ask you this? Um, are, you are you ready for life without him and no more opportunities to receive him? See, that's what happens on Judgment Day when God makes the great separation. 
There's a separation that's coming for those who have received him and those who have not. And when you get separated in that separation, there are no more opportunities to receive him. Jesus says that the day you hear my voice, don't shut me out. Receive me. I got great plans for you. I know that you need some hope in your life. I got it. And I want to help you. But I've proven to you time and time again that I'm true to my word. Y'all know good and well. If y'all were in high school and the cool kid <laughs> said, hey, I'm going to do A, B, and C. And actually did A, B, and C. He became the cooler kid. Because he, he did what he said. I'm saying to you today that Jesus said that he would be crucified. Such that Peter said, hey, we're not going to let that happen. Jesus responds to him, at this moment, you're working for Satan. Get behind me, Satan. This is a part of the plan for you, son. The plan for you. As a matter of fact, we're going to act this out on you first. What do you mean, Jesus? <laughs> When they take me, you are going to deny me three times. Jesus, you blacking out. I ain't going to do that. So they take Jesus. They roll up on Peter's like, don't you hang with him? I don't know him. Somebody else rolls up on Jesus. Hey, you one of those guys. No, I don't know him. The last time they did it, the Bible says that Peter actually cursed at them. <laughs> See, he cursed at them. See, I thought I was going to say it. He cursed at them. Watch this. So they crucified Jesus. I don't know where Peter was. They crucified Jesus. But when it was time for Jesus to depart the earth and go to the Father, everybody starts talking and they say, where are we going? Peter says, I'm going back fishing. It was at that fishing trip that as they were coming back in, they see Jesus on the side of the beach cooking fish. Y'all didn't know that Jesus was a chef. You had to be the chef to cook fish on the side of the beach. I mean, he had it going on. So he's on the beach cooking fish. And they run to him. He pulls Peter aside. The same grace that he's extended us, he extended to Peter. And he said, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Jesus, you know I love you. Now, again, this is why I'm not Jesus. Because I would have said, that's what you say now, but you know two days ago. Three days ago, they was trying to ask you if you was one of my dudes, and you told them no. You cussed at them, Peter. Jesus says, hey, man, if you love me, feed my sheep. He asked him again, you love me? Jesus, feed my sheep, man. Love my people. Last time, I'm going to ask you for every day that I was in the ground. I'm going to ask you for every time you denied me because I want to make sure that with your confession, we cancel out, not in me, Peter, but in you, the opportunity to go back again. Do you love me? He says, I love you. Take care of my people. You know, when Jesus left, Peter became kind of unofficially the head uh, apostle. The whole Catholic church is built on Peter as the first pope. The one 
who denied Jesus. <laughs> the cusser. You know why that's good? Because we all cussers at some point. We've all denied Jesus. Well, I've never denied Jesus in your life. I'm not talking about what you tell people at church. I'm talking about what you click on at the house. That's the denial of Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, I know you've denied me, but I died for everybody to get the same opportunity that you're about to get one-on-one. -on -one. I do, I envy Peter because Peter gets that one-on-one -on -one conversation with him. But here's the deal. Everybody in the room gets the opportunity to either reaffirm or maybe even affirm for the first time the fact that you love him or that at least you want to give it a try. I'm going to tell you, I'm willing to follow anybody that says to me, you're going to die. And then give me a date that you go get up. That's some of the challenge with the Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Because their leader said that he was going to rise again. Or that their leader said that the world was ending and it never did. I like the fact that Jesus did what he said. He told me he was going to get up and he did. Here's the other thing I like about Jesus. He's not telling anybody when it's going to end. So everybody that's predicting, Jesus says, no man knows the hour. See, Jesus knows what he can tell you and what he don't need to tell you. I trust people who can say to me, I'm going to tell you what I can tell you. I'm going to tell you what I can't tell you. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you this, and then I'm going to do what I tell you. You got an opportunity today to receive him. So everybody, if you would, would you stand? question comes today will you give him everything you have will you give him your all today so I want to talk to two groups of people if you're here today and you realize that you know what I'm going to mark it today in my calendar. Easter, April Fool's Day, 2018. I gave my life to Jesus. Let me tell you why it would be so cool. Because the enemy wants to play this game with you and tell you that Jesus ain't worth your time. Listen, he wants to tell you that you will be better if you live your own life. Because the devil's never going to tell you to live for the devil. You do know that, right? He never comes out and says, hey, live for me. Because you'll be like, I'm not living for you. What he'll tell you is, live for yourself. Don't have faith in God. You got this on the control. So today, you get an opportunity to tell the devil that on April Fool's Day, I tricked you, devil, because you thought I was going to live the rest of my life on your terms and on your plan. But April Fool's, I'm choosing God. <laughs> you can tell the devil that based on what I did last night, you thought the rest of my life was going to be on your terms. But you can look at him today and say, April Fool's, come on. 
You could tell him the way I cussed my boss out last week, he just knew that you were a starter on his team. But you could tell him today, hey devil, April Fools, I'm making some changes today. I know you thought it, we had a plan, we told each other that we was gonna do it, we was gonna live like this, I'm gonna get her number, we got, me and her gonna have this thing going on, I guarantee you. And you could tell him today, April Fools, I'm gonna live for Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is, nothing the enemy ever told you came to pass. I know I got that right. The devil told me plenty of times, go down this route, it's going to work out for you. What he tells you is, it's going to work out for you. What you hear is that it's just going to be good now and forever. What happens is, he begins to tell you, it'll feel good right now. But the end result is going to keep you in hell in your mind. Come on. So today you can tell them April Fool's.